0: Welcome to the Faith Today podcast, conversations inspired by Canada's Christian magazine. I'm Karen Stiller. Recently, the topic of online pornography made the news again when singer Billie Eilish shared the story of her addiction to online porn when she was a teenager. I think that is just about every parent's nightmare. Marilyn Evans knows this and tries to help parents talk to their kids about the dangers of pornography. She founded Parents Aware, an organization that helps parents have healthy conversations with their kids about pornography, sex, and intimacy. She also hosts the Media Savvy Moms podcast, and she joins us today to give us some hints and help us navigate these really tough conversations. Marilyn, please tell us what is Parents Aware and what do you do?
1: Yes, Parents Aware is a community organization and our aim is to empower our families to have open honest conversations about the harms of pornography and combined with that conversation to talk about sex and intimacy because we feel that you know you can't really talk about the harms of pornography without also talking to kids about relationships and and intimacy and and showing the positive side of that
0: yeah okay so you're a parent of mm-hmm. course do i understand you have five sons i do Yeah. wow so that's a big family of boys <laughs> and i also have children of my own who are you know grown now but i definitely talk to them myself about these things why do parents need this kind of help from you
1: well Really, I I started Parents Aware when I recognized the lack of conversation that we were having in our community, in our homes, in our churches, just really everywhere. I needed help as a parent. I could see the media that was targeting my kids, and I wasn't equipped to have this conversation. So I went looking for resources, and I couldn't find them. But not only that, I couldn't really... I didn't really know how to approach friends and family and, and say, look, I need help with this. I need to figure out how to have these conversations. It just wasn't a conversation that we had grown up with in our generation. Parents talked about pornography. They didn't really talk to kids about pornography. And we're dealing with internet porn. So that's a whole other level. And as I did research and learned what you know why kids were being drawn to this, I, I realized there was a whole part of the story that I hadn't I hadn't considered before, and that was the, you know, the biological impact, the impact uh, that it has on on kids' brains, and we don't we can maybe go into that later. But there was just so much information that was missing from the conversation, and I figured if I had questions, then other parents had questions too. And I knew I had hurdles to get over, that I had fears to get over. As I started talking to my kids, I saw how impactful it was, and how much better it was to have these conversations. So I wanted other parents to have the same resource.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I have definitely noticed, like when I was in university taking my women's studies courses, for example, pornography was, I think, generally universally agreed was a bad thing and Mm. a bad thing for women in particular, in fact. But I feel like that whole thing is ancient history or that's some old feminist way of looking at pornography, it feels so mainstream, so accepted, so almost normal now in our culture. Is that your take on that as well? Or what do you think?
1: Yeah, it really has become accepted. You know, the porn industry has done a fantastic job of marketing itself, and normalizing it. A lot of people will say, well, uh, okay, I would say either parents are hesitant to acknowledge that their kids could be struggling, or then there's the other side where, okay, this is just a, a phase that our kids go through, but without really looking at how damaging and devastating this pornography that's coming at our kids and, and really aggressively targeting them is. And so we, we've been as a society, we bought into this marketing scheme of the porn industry, really. That's that's how I see it. And, oh, yeah, it's just pornography. It's, it's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And there still are feminists fighting it. But there's a whole other set of feminists that are like, oh, no, this is OK. So it's very confusing out there. And imagine if it's confusing for us as adults what it's like
0: for our kids. And, of course, we have the digital access, you know, immediate. Availability of pornography to even very young children who find it online, presumably. So let's mm-hmm. um, backtrack a little bit. You have five sons, you mentioned, and here comes mom to talk about pornography. Uh, at what age did you sit down with your own children, or what age? Maybe this is better to ask. What age do you advise we do that with our kids? Sure, and
1: and I think thank you for switching that because I. I have changed my parenting over the years. So my youngest is 13 now. And I will say that I started the conversation with him at age seven.
0: Okay.
1: You know, and that's because that's when I was starting to speak out more and realizing that I could have this conversation and people listening might say, what the heck? That's way too young. Well, I, I got a book that helped me out. Good pictures, bad pictures, how to uh, Porn Proof Today's Young Kids? I think it's called. It's by Kristen Jensen, and honestly, I I, I hoarded that book with hesitation to begin with. I'm like, I don't know about this. Can I really do this? And and I opened it up and I looked it over and I started reading, and I would I would say that maybe. We were both a little apprehensive. We probably had some previous conversations, but I'm like, hey, buddy, I've got this great book. Let's read it together. And he's like, okay, whatever, mom. Well, we started reading that book. And by the time we were a few chapters in, his older brother had hopped on the bed. Like we read a chapter or two a night, and he was totally engrossed in the book as well. And it just was kind of a starting point for me to say, okay, my kids are thirsty for this information. We really can't, you know, we don't need to be ashamed to talk to them about this. I'm preparing them for what's out there. And now they're empowered with knowledge and information. And that, you know, we didn't just stick with the book. We've had many ongoing conversations since then in all sorts of different ways. And that's what I I just... um I, I recommend to parents is try not to just put it in a box that this is a conversation to have in this type of way. Like, just think of how many different ways you can approach the topic. So, we want to safeguard our kids with protective information. And if they're three, four years old, then that's you know telling them about their body and making sure that they feel comfortable talking to you about their body. And as they get older, and they're on devices, and what kind of dangers could they they come find online, like a lot of I hear a lot of parents say, "Ooh, I don't know if I can use that word pornography with my kids. Like, would you do that? And and it's just a word. It really is just a word. And we, we put the, the, the anxiety around the
0: word. Is it embarrassment? Like, why, why would they not want to use the word pornography? They're just trying to shield their kids. They don't want their kids to understand that this is out there. Is that what it is?
1: Yeah, I think we put all and it is it it's a shame-packed word. It's a difficult word and I won't say that it wasn't difficult for me either to to start using that word. But it's because we bring all of our our knowledge and information and attach it to that word. But when we're talking to our children, they don't have all that knowledge and information. So we get to give it to them bit by bit, we get to control the conversation. And by listening to what kind of questions they have, whereas when they're confronted with it online, they don't have any control over the conversation, we don't have any control over the conversation, they're just bombarded with information, and more than they know, and, and they don't have any words to define what it
0: is. So I'm guessing that a lot of Christian parents, for example, and we certainly relied on this, although not Exclusively, I think we we were parents. We were not afraid to say the word. I will say that we, I think we dove pretty headfirst into this stuff. Having said that, we also were definitely relying on you know family filter systems or whatever on our internet, and uh, but also knowing full full well that they could go to a friend's house and access things that maybe they couldn't access here. Or that that was just kind of a partial protection, but I think. Some of us do get stuck on, if I do that, then there's no way. And can you speak to that?
1: Yes. Thank you for asking. So I always say conversation first, relationship first. And it's not that I want to avoid filters and parental controls. Those are awesome. Implement them. Do, you know, learn what you can about the tech your kids use But I find parents are always trying to chase the next filter, the next tech. How do I learn about the next app? And if you go that route, you will never catch up. You will, tech just changes so quickly. And we start to rely on it as the solution. And I say, why outsource what you can do best? And you can have the conversations with your kids that they need. You can ask the questions. I've often compared it to a game of rock, paper, scissors. So filters and parental controls are like picking one of those items. Let's say rock, and it's always rock. Well, what happens when paper comes... Actually, I usually use scissors because it's much more dramatic. (laughs) Let's say we use scissors and then along comes a rock, and it just squishes those scissors. But if it's open conversation, you can adapt it. You can change it. When it needs to be paper, it's paper. When it needs to be rock, it's rock. And if you make a mistake, well, you can go back and fix it. But if you're not having those conversations, you don't see where things are going wrong. So I love what you did. You had the filters. You had the parental controls. But you recognized that they weren't going to safeguard your kids in every circumstance, that your kids needed the information. So wow. I mean, that's amazing.
0: So what how often do these conversations happen? Because I will share also something that happened in our household is that our boys specifically would be like, we get it. We're, we're not we won't we've never we won't like, and I think, you know, maybe almost felt mistrusted by us because we brought it up so diligently. <laughs> it's like, this is weird. I don't want to talk to you about this anymore. So how do you pace yourself? Like, is there a formula?
1: I don't know if there's a particular formula, but more often than we are having is good advice. If you're overdoing it, I think that's okay. You want to be careful not to make your kids feel like you don't trust them. But I like to mix up the kinds of conversations. So not so much how often we're having them, but how do we approach it? So there are times where we have a book and we sit down and we read it together. There are times when we, we watch a, a, a documentary series. Um, there's a lot of good ones out there. And it could be on, on different aspects of technology, or it could be specifically related to pornography. But then there's times at the, the dinner table where there's just stuff in the news that comes up. And I mean, right now, we've had Pornhub under investigation. Well, you know, just mention it in passing at the dinner table, what's going on in the news, or, or it doesn't have to be about pornography. I also say that there's so many ways to talk about pornography without actually using that word. It is important to to have the language in your home, but let's talk about sex. Let's talk about relationships what's going on at school? Like, who likes who? And these these are not, these are not judgmental conversations. It's just, okay, we're here to talk about relationships and, and growing up and maturation. So let's do it. Okay, so
0: it, uh, I like the way that you're positioning uh, the topic of what not to do pornography in the broader, healthier, maybe conversation about sex and intimacy and relationships. And you know, the messages that I'm sure a Christian parent would want to impart to their growing child about, you know, how we relate to each other outside of marriage and inside of marriage and all of those things. I think that's really helpful. There are still going to be parents who are like, yeah, but you know, what do I do about really making sure at the same time that I've put up roadblocks? So let's talk about smartphones, um, which so many of us have. And so of course, so many kids have and probably younger and younger. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we not allow them to be alone with their phone? Or does the mom and dad have the passwords? Like tell us about some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, you need to go in eyes wide open to that. Now we have um, on our site, we have a, a guide called safe a quick guide to safer screen habits. And it's not it's not directed specifically at smartphones, but it's how are you going to approach tech as a family and how do you involve kids on the conversation from day one and how do you set boundaries and what, why are you setting boundaries? So before I answer that question, always bring your family values into the conversation. Get your kids thinking about what their personal values are and what's important to them in life and what, what goals they want to achieve and then build your tech plan around that and help them see why you have this plan together. So instead of mom and dad enforcing this, these rules upon kids, get kids to build the rules with you. And you're going to have a lot more success. As far as smartphone, you have to decide if you're going to give your child a smartphone at a younger age, then there's going to be a lot more. Rules in place, and a lot more mom and dad have the passwords. Or you may choose to delay the smartphone until kids reach almost high school. But in that case, you still have to prepare them. You don't want them just to, okay, you know, grade eight, you don't have a smartphone, grade nine, you do, but you have no idea how to use it. So it's a graduated process of teaching your kids how to
0: thrive on technology. Okay, so I'll share with you, Marilyn, one thing we did. uh, Mm -hmm. But I think I'm going to get in a little bit of trouble for part of this. (laughs) Because I we we basically were like, at any time we can ask to see your device and you Uh. need to hand it over. And I would do that. I like, okay, let me take a look at your phone. And they're like, you don't trust me. And I would Basically, say, you're right. I don't. I don't Uh trust you. And I want to look at what you're looking at on your phone. And I'm, yeah, I'm trying to keep you safe. I mean, hopefully, I said the right things sometimes. But Mm -hmm. sometimes I did say, I don't, yeah, you're right. Hand it over, especially if I thought they didn't want me to look at it. So Mm -hmm. I know that's probably bad, right? No, I
1: wouldn't say it's bad. I would say that that is, uh, that shows that you are aware of the dangers and that you have. Uh, a, a concern, and you you want to be involved in your kids' life. So I I am clapping my hands and congratulating you for that. So it always has to be the relationship first.
0: though. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. See, my dad was in the RCMP, so that was like part of my you know approach.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it the the risk of that is if the relationship isn't there
0: first, right? Right? Yeah, then I kids that. will
1: find another way to to work around it. So they need to know that they're part of that plan, that this is to keep them safe. And if they're fully aware of that, and they've bought into it, then that's okay. And, and that doesn't mean they're not going to give some resistance, like that's a normal part of, of growing up. But if it's if it's enforced, and, and you have to show me this, and, and there's punishment and consequences, if then I think kids will find a way around it.
0: That's good advice, Marilyn. And I know on your website, you have some information about sexting as well, which it feels Mm -hmm. like maybe our daughters might be particularly vulnerable to or I don't know. I don't know if that's breaks down along the gender lines. But again, does this come back to just healthy conversations that hopefully you've poured so much into your daughter that she would never be tempted to do this? Or how do we handle that? Well, I feel like that that comes down to, we
1: talk a lot about consent in society today, but we don't always connect the dots to consent and pornography, content and sexting. We should address the topic. Uh, kids are sexting or sending nudes uh, much more than we think they are, and for I think for our generation it just sounds so confronting like why would we ever do that but these kids are growing up with digital devices in their hands they've got cameras on those devices they've got instant messaging and they're surrounded by a world of hypersexualized information like you you put that little formula together cuz i've thought about this a lot i am like what possesses an 11-year-old to send a, a nude photo of themselves or a sexy photo like you're 11 for goodness sake but they might not know that that is not appropriate, or they might not know how dangerous that is. And they also might not know they shouldn't request those photos of
0: someone else. Yes. Talk, just talk about it. Can you speak to the Christian parent who might be listening to this, who maybe naively thinks that this doesn't happen to church kids and that in a Christian household these kinds of conversations would not be as necessary? Yeah, I think that's a easy trap to fall into.
1: The truth is that it happens to all kids, no matter what background they're coming from. This is the culture that they're growing up in. And it. I think it's harder on Christian kids in some ways, because we're growing up in a home with a certain set of values and expectations. And then we're presented with a culture in society that doesn't match up to that, but that culture of pornography and, and sending nudes is so attractive biologically. You know, I talked about how it impacts the brain and kids do this on instinct they don't do this because it's good or bad they're doing this instinctually and then they participate and whoa this does not match up with my values
0: so now I feel shame okay by having I guess by creating that foundation of transparency in your household hopefully I mean shame silences right so hopefully they could come and you know, ideally speak to their parent, or maybe even a sibling, maybe that's where older siblings come Mm -hmm. in, come into things as to feel safe to share. Well, my main message is put the conversation on the table.
1: You know, make sure that your kids know that you're willing to talk to them about pornography, that you're willing to talk to them about sexting, that you're willing to talk to them about relationships, just interest in whoever you have a crush on, you know, that doesn't have to be a sexual relationship, just put the conversation on the table. Because when kids say that they're in trouble, but I could never tell my parent, you know, there's nothing scarier than having this, this secret, a dangerous secret, and not having someone that you can turn to for help. Because kids are getting in trouble. Kids are sending nudes and then being asked for money to send more nudes. They get in trouble. And if they can't go tell a parent or a teacher or or someone who can help them, then they can get in a world of hurt. And that's what we don't want. So I, I totally get that this is outside of our comfort zone. This feels like it should never happen to our good kids, but it does. We need to be aware of that.
0: So Marilyn, what kind of resources do you offer to parents? And uh, I know you have a podcast called the Media Savvy Moms Podcast. I listened to a couple of episodes of that and I really enjoyed it. So you're having these good, really helpful conversations. So uh, let people know where they can find you.
1: Okay, so you can follow us on uh, Media Savvy Moms at Instagram or parents aware forward slash media savvy moms on Facebook, but we mostly hang out on Instagram and I highly recommend you listen to the podcast. That is our flagship product, so to speak. In each episode, we always have a guide that parents can download. So we have our quick guide to safer screen habits. We have um, five body safety tips I might get the titles of these wrong. We have a a guide to talk about anime with kids. Dangerous media can be found in any source. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with anime as a category, but kids have found themselves in dangerous territory. Uh, We also have 10 conversation starters to talk about pornography.
0: Oh, helpful. Mm -hmm.
1: And we have a digital course coming up soon. So I know that parents feel like, just stuck. Like, I don't know how to have this conversation. I don't know how to start this conversation. So our digital course is coming soon. Just to walk parents th- through this and how to have the conversation
0: with their kids. Right on. So the Instagram and your website is? Oh, parentsaware.info. Wonderful. Well, Marilyn, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening.
0: Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.